thank you everybody for coming uh, having such a great turnout um, and thank you for coming to you know listen to my experiences and I suppose when I um, when I think about sort of thinking about disability in new ways because it's so integral to how I've grown up how I've kind of experienced um, uh, growing up in the world and how I also was really committed about being open about who I was and my identity when I was actually going through applying for training contracts. Um, it's something that's very much bound up as well in the journey that I took into the legal profession um, and, in fact, my wider uh, court of educational journey before that. So but what I would do is speak a bit about that particular journey um, and, in particular, what I think will be of relevance and interest to a number of um, attendees here about how I actually went through getting a training contract um, and then qualifying as a solicitor at Reed Smith um, at the firm where I, I, I trained um, in the department that I really wanted um, to really to talk about that kind of um, experience and, and provide any practical advice I can. Um, but at the same time, talking about how that really relates to the point you know, that, that, that underpins the, the message that I put out through my campaigning and through my advocacy, which is very much disability should not be seen as a drawback. It should not be seen that if someone has disability, that therefore means that they cannot achieve something. Um, people should be looked at for their own merits. Individuals should be recognised for their own talents. Somebody having a particular disability or a condition or neurodivergent way of thinking, um, as many um, uh, conditions like um, autism, as I'll speak about, are now increasingly classified as can bring advantages in different areas. And so it's very much about looking holistically at that whole individual. And I think that that's, that's very underpins sort of the, the, um, the main message that I, I aim to get out. But in terms of what inspired me to do it, um, and I think that, you know, as you've heard from Dana before me, those sort of childhood experiences have an enormous impact on what it is that you're passionate about and your particular focuses. And I had to put a personal experience because when I was growing up, um, I have to say, I personally, I didn't know any different because I was born as I am. Um, I have always been autistic. Um, and so I never sort of was going around thinking, oh, I'm a bit different, that's a bit odd. But you could tell that there were kind of um, uh, things people were maybe um, noticing about me, like, like the fact that I much preferred... Um, the company of adults when I was socialising rather than my own peer group um, or the fact that I may have difficulty with sort of certain parts of social interaction, um, sort of particularly sensory difficulties that I may have as well in terms of touch and repetitive um, uh, food eating because I didn't want to sort of move on to different kinds of food, um, which to me seemed perfectly normal, but other people, you know, noticed that most children sort of weren't experiencing that. Um, and my parents noticed it first. It took them quite a while, actually, to, to sort of have it recognised because um, the uh, primary school that I, I was at um, it was a very very good school, but, but was very much of the view that, well, he seems to be doing well in academically, so there isn't really an issue here. And obviously, it was not about academics. It was about how I was sort of progressing among my peer group um, and the kind of emotional, social well-being side of things, which is equally as important. 
But eventually um, they did sort of persevere and managed to get people on board. And um, I uh, was identified as uh, being autistic. And their attitude, actually my family's attitude, was was very strong and brilliant and sort of impacted how I then saw myself for the rest of of my childhood and adulthood and ever since. Because um, there was not a sense that I was less of somebody because of this. It was it was more seen as recognizing who I always was, and it was a kind of being able to see and understand better the person that I'd always been, and recognizing where there may be challenges, but equally where there may be strengths. So I always had this ability to, if I found something very interesting, really focus on it and really go into great depth and detail. Um, and that is something that you know, isn't spoken about enough, I think, as a a potential strength of having such a condition. And that, therefore, meant that because of that way I was brought up, that I was never made to feel sort of inferior in any way. Um, I was sort of brought up to think you're on the centre of other people, made me feel that I could sort of go forth and achieve. And so I managed to, you know, um, do well at school through hard work, got into King's College London. Um, And then when I went into looking into open days at law, um, to go into law firms. Um, and as I was an English student, this was sort of kind of in second year because I was looking into doing a conversion afterwards. Um, I found that there wasn't necessarily much visibility around people who were openly speaking about autism and all of, in fact, disability in general, but particularly autism in the uh, legal profession. And I did for a minute think, hmm, maybe that's a sign that maybe you know, it doesn't, I might not fit in it. But thanks to the upbringing that I had, I'm not really conditioned to think that way. So I very quickly thought, well, actually, isn't it possible that, you know, there are people, but they're just not open about it? And if there isn't, maybe it's time somebody did. So I wanted to sort of set about uh, applying for firms and really making sure that I would be somewhere where I was supported and understood. And so when I was looking for firms, I was actually looking for firms that were un, uh, understanding that took an interest in, in sourcing um, uh, their recruitment from a really wide talent pool. And so basically um, looking to recruit people from a diverse range of backgrounds, and that included disability, and recognising the fact that, particularly with students with disabilities, um, if a firm is not uh, open, doesn't take the effort to show the inclusion uh, mechanisms that they have in place, people are less likely to... Be, uh, to feel able to disclose um, and to be open about their own condition. So um, I really deliberately targeted those firms that you know, were positive in that way, worked with disability uh, recruitment consultancy to gain experience actually advising on an area that I understood, which was autism. You know, having um, a personal experience and having researched it, I could speak about the uh, particular ways people may present at interview or where barriers might exist through the process, um, such as uh, psychometric testing, for example, where um, people uh, may, and this is not just for autism, but for all kind of um, neurodivergent conditions like dyslexia and dyspraxia and um, ADHD and, and others, can have a deal difficulty sort of uh, predicting and, uh, and assessing the correct response to tests or what are assumed to be the correct response to tests. It has no real relevance on how good they're actually going to do in the job. Um, and so pointing these kind of things out allowed me to make a change while also networking with those individuals that were part of firms. Um, And so it strengthened my application so that when I came to 
apply for training contracts. Um, I, you know, I'd met people within those firms. I kind of understood um, I, what the firms were about and the legal practices they were working in. Um, and I also um, was able to provide that value added to them. And I ended up working and uh, getting a training contract with Reed Smith um, following a vacation scheme there a firm that was particularly committed to um, to looking at this. And, and since then, um, I've really been very keen to take part in as many um, events as I can and speaking events to, to, to show the visibility of um, autistic and disabled people within the, within the legal profession and to, um, and, and to show why other people should be able to do so as well and had some very positive results. Um, there's way more to do. Um, but, you know, we've had others that are identified as autistic and many others who identify as having different forms of disabilities that uh, are able to, um, that have, have actually received training contracts since um, and qualified. So that's been like, a, you know, an incredibly um, powerful way in which when I speak about disability, it's incredibly crucial in terms of um, the practical side of it. But also just to kind of give a few points around why we need to think differently about disability more broadly um, before, you know, at the end of my speech, is when you consider um, that people often hear disability or they hear a particular disability like autism, for example, or dyslexia, and it instantly people often will think, uh, what can't they do? This is going to mean more hassle for me and more red tape, etc. or, you know, it will just take a lot more managing. And there are adjustments that might need to be made, like making sure instructions are particularly clear and prioritisation is made particularly clear. But those things um, don't particularly cost very much, um, certainly not for neurodiverse conditions. Um, and actually, they can be a great benefit to people who are not um, uh, neurodiverse. Uh, and actually, what you t- tend to find is often when an adjustment is proposed for somebody who has a disability, there can be this sense of, oh, no, well, this is impossible. We won't work that way. It's not how we work. But then that same kind of flexibility, once people try to start to look at it, actually find it works much better more broadly. I mean, take, for instance, the idea of somebody with a chronic condition who might need to work from home a number of times um, a, a week, um, which might provoke sort of the attitude that, oh, we can't do that. But suddenly, when people are working from home more regularly because of a coronavirus outbreak, it's kind of just, we're going to have to work through it, you know. And so often those kind of adjustments that benefit disabled people often benefit everyone else, which is why by investing in uh, inclusion for disabled people, you can really benefit the whole profession and the whole society. Thank you very much.